0: Today, we are continuing our message series on abounding hope, how we can find a hope that is in God. And today, we're going, today's message is called, Take God at His Word. Take God at His Word. And you may be saying, well, I do that. I've done it for decades. In fact, when God says it, I believe it, that settles it for me, right? That's that's enough. That's all I need. And if that's the faith you've got, Praise God, I give thanks for that. That's, that's the kind of faith that Peter had when he stepped out of the boat and walked on the water, right? That is an exceptional, that's a, a world-changing kind of faith. That's awesome. For others, maybe you heard, heard these words, take God at his word, and you say, eh, I don't know. That seems awfully risky, you know? I mean, that's like, that's like a blank check, right? Is, how, do I know, how do I know that God can be trusted in that kind of way? Is, is that really a good plan? I mean, I'm, I'm more cautious, and I've seen some crazy stuff in my life, and I don't know if I can just trust God at God's word. Maybe you're at one point or the other on that continuum, or maybe you're somewhere in the middle. Wherever you are, I'm thankful that we get to be here together today. I'm thankful we get to study God's word together today because I really believe that that God will show us who he is, that God will even allow us to experience his power well beyond my words, that know that God would speak through God's word to your heart today to help all of us to have even an increased level of faith, of trust in God that God would do just what the choir just sang about, that God would write those words on our heart, that God would give us that kind of faith, that life-changing faith. In this series, we're using Romans fifteen thirteen as our launch pad. It says this, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him. Those are, that's our phrase for today, as you trust in him, so that you may overflow with hope. By the power of the Holy Spirit, as you trust in Him. Those words are pretty easy to say and oftentimes difficult to do, aren't they? And, you know, today I want to help out by telling a story. It comes from the life of the prophet Elisha. We talked about him several weeks ago. Elisha, you might remember, is the prophet who followed Elijah. And Elisha asked God for a double portion of Elijah's spirit, okay? And God granted that request. He gave him this incredibly powerful ministry. Elisha has more recorded miracles in the Bible than any other prophet in the Old Testament there. And so Elisha has this incredible ministry, and he would travel around. That's kind of how prophets did it. They had to travel around, share God's word with everybody. And, of course, this is uh, before the Airbnb market, right, was in existence, or even before hotels. So where's a prophet going to stay? Well, he makes friends with people and would go and stay with them in the various areas. And there was a little village called Shunem, And there he made friends uh, with a wealthy woman and her husband who uh, were very generous, and they allowed him to stay whenever he came into town. In fact, they made kind of like a a guest room, if you will, at their house with a bed just for Elisha so he'd always have a place to stay. They were kind and and generous people there. We don't know the woman's name, we just know her as the Shunammite woman because she was from Shunem. So... She had a, tr- a, a, a difficulty in her life, though, the Shunammite woman did. She was barren. She wasn't able to have any children. And I know that many here know the pain, the difficulty of infertility, such a difficult path to walk. And you know, in those days, it was perhaps even more difficult because children were part of your financial future. You trusted in them to care for you when you got older, to take care of you. And there's a number of instances in the Bible where it talks about folks who are struggling with barrenness because of what a painful reality it was and still is in its own way. And so she had prayed for a child, asked God for a child, no children. She had given up on asking, really. But Elisha... Elisha was there one time, and imagine, just imagine what it was like for this woman when Elisha gave her that day the most shocking news of her entire life.
1: I cannot believe this is happening to me right now. I have waited my whole life for this moment, do you know what it's like to want something so desperately but not receive it? For years, I've wanted a child. I've longed for a child. I've prayed for a child. I've begged God for a child. And nothing Year after year, after painful, bitter year, and jeer after jeer from all those around me. What's wrong with you? Why is God so angry with you that He's made you barren? God must really not like your family. He's ending it with your generation. What? are you going to do when you're old and gray? My husband is old. And yes, we have a lot of money right now, but who's going to take care of me when, when my husband dies and I have no children? You know, they say... They say money can't buy happiness. And maybe they're right. But it can buy opportunity. And my husband and I, we were able to provide the prophet Elisha with a good home-cooked meal and a place to stay whenever he came to town. And, you know, one of those times while he was visiting... He told me the craziest thing I have ever heard in my entire life. He told me that I would have a son in one year. What? I mean, I couldn't believe it. How could I trust something so crazy? I mean, don't get my hopes up for nothing, Elisha. But it was true. My son was born one year later. All my hopes, all my, my dreams, I took God at his word, and now I'm a mom.
0: Some of you know exactly what that is like. Maybe that was your exact prayer, or maybe it was a different prayer. You prayed, and you asked, and you trusted, you believed, and God gave you everything you were asking for. Maybe even more. You, you received the child, or, or maybe you prayed for, for a job. You were out of work, and you needed something, and God opened up a great opportunity for you. Or, or maybe you're an employer, and you were praying for the right employees to come, come around, and God brought the perfect employees or the perfect partner Or maybe you prayed that God would bless your business and make it successful, and God's made it successful beyond your wildest imaginations. Maybe you needed physical healing, like I did for my arm earlier this year, and you prayed, and God worked a miracle, and and you're healed. You're whole. Maybe God met you in a time of of depression, of of just difficult mental health concerns, and brought healing. Maybe you prayed for your child who was far off, and you prayed, and, and God brought him home. We, we know what these things are like. We've experienced these things. We should, we should praise God. In fact, let's give God a hand. Let's praise God for all these ways that God has been faithful. God, you've been trustworthy. You've been mighty. You've been powerful. I believe that. I believe, and we should celebrate God's faithfulness. We serve a faithful God. And we should never stop thanking him for his faithfulness. It's real. It's true. We can trust God at His Word. I believe in a God of miracles. But you know, I've also prayed for many things in my life that I haven't received. And yeah, some of them were selfish things I probably didn't need anyway. But sometimes they were genuine, kingdom building prayers, weren't answered in the way that I want them to be answered. Maybe I got a no or a wait. Or maybe the answer was just different than what I was hoping for. I bet if we asked around the room, there'd be a bunch of those stories in here today as well. Times where you've trusted, you've believed, stories of pain, stories of loss, stories of brokenness. Stories that look a lot more like the spiritual before picture than the spiritual after picture. So what do we do with that? Well, Some Christians will tell you that the only reason that happens is because you don't have enough faith. And you know, I fully believe in the power of faith. I believe everything the Bible says about faith. Hebrews 11 says that without faith, it is impossible to please God. Not just that it's difficult or challenging, but it's impossible. You have to have faith to please God. But remember, God is God I am not. Don't get those two reversed. And if I get everything I always ask for, then guess who's now God? If, if I just had enough faith to get everything done that I wanted to see done, my faith would ultimately be in faith, not so much in God. And that's not how it works. God is the object of my faith, period. God is all-powerful. God is all-knowing. God is eternal. I'm none of those things. Sometimes I don't get everything I ask for. Well, the Shunammite woman, she knew what that was like as well. She had her her son, and he began to grow up. And as a child, one day, he was out working with his father, the other workers. And very suddenly, the, the boy became sick, became very ill, and so they took him into his mother. She held him. She, she rocked him for hours. She, she prayed for him. And he died.
1: I can't believe this is happening to me right now. I've waited my whole life to have a child, and now he's dead. Do you know what it's like to cry out to God all morning long with your sick child on your lap, only to have him die right before your eyes? I prayed, I, I trusted, I believed. For years, I, I wanted a child. I begged God for a child. I was disappointed so many times. I quit asking for a child. And now my sweet, sweet boy is dead. So I rushed, I rushed to see Elisha. I didn't even ask you for a child. I told you not to get my hopes up. I couldn't even say the words, my son is dead. I don't know what's going to happen now. But all I can do is trust God. God said that I will have a child, and I must take him at his word. It's all that I have left. I just hope that I can trust in him.
0: You know what that's like maybe you're right there today i just need to pause and to pray god i pray that by the power of your holy spirit that you would do the healing work that only you can do I pray that you would bind up the brokenhearted, that you would heal the wounds that we've experienced. That for those who've been praying, who've been trusting, and who continue to cry out today, God would you meet them right here in this place. I know that you never leave us, you never forsake us. Holy Spirit, would you move? in powerful ways today. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, after, after or late in the service here, as we're dismissing, we'll have our prayer partners up front, and maybe you'll want to come and, and to pray with them. We would love to pray with you. The Holy Spirit is, is at work. Don't leave here without doing that if God calls you to do that. You know, what do you do when you find yourself in a crazy, horrible situation like that, where you suffer such an unexpected loss, and you feel so desperate? Well, I'll tell you what the Shunammite woman did. She took her dead child. She took him upstairs to Elisha's room, and she laid him on that bed where Elisha would stay. Then she went out, she saddled her donkey, and she went 25 miles to find the prophet Elisha. Now, this was no short trip, and I don't have a lot of experience personally on donkeys, but I'm guessing there's a reason they call it horsepower, not donkey power. They're not the fastest things out there, right? 25 miles, one way to go get the prophet Elisha. Yeah, this boy was dead, everybody knew it. They heard her praying for him. They heard her sobbing. They heard her moaning when he died. And they saw this tearful mom get on the donkey and ride away. When she gets to the prophet, her words are very interesting. Verse 28, she says, Did I ask you for a son, my Lord? And by the way, the answer was no. She never asked Elisha to do this. Elisha had just prayed for this. And it happened. Didn't I tell you don't raise my hopes. I didn't even ask for this. Don't get my hopes up. And then here he is, my wonderful son who I'm raising and now he's dead. This is exactly what I didn't want to have happen. Elisha, don't Get my hopes up. It's interesting that she never says to him, my son is dead. Now, we know that she knows it. There's no question about that. Why didn't she say it? Well, the Bible doesn't tell us. Maybe it was just too painful. Some of you have lost a child. You know that pain. Words that no parent ever wants to say, that my child has died. Maybe she was so overwhelmed with grief. Maybe. She certainly didn't say to him, Elisha, I'm not worried because I know you're going to raise my son from the dead. But you know, I don't believe that she rode her donkey 25 miles that day simply to deliver a funeral invitation. Somebody else should have done that. Why would she leave the body of her son? Why would she leave her husband, her home, to talk with the guy who had prayed this thing that would lead to seemingly the ultimate disappointment in her life? Remember that prophets were the voice of God to the people, okay? And so, When she confronted the prophet, she was also confronting God, really. God, why did you do this to me? Don't get my hopes up. That was my prayer. She's holding Elisha and ultimately God accountable for what has happened this day. I believe, I believe that she went there with some sense of expectancy not knowing what was going to happen, but knowing that if, if something was going to happen, it was gonna be the work of God, and it was gonna come through the prophet Elisha. I don't believe that she went there to deliver a funeral invitation. I believe that this was a bold step of, of faith, not a faith that knew the outcome, but a faith that trusted God at his word. That if God truly said, you'll have a son, then surely this wasn't the ending of the story. I have a feeling that for some of us here today, we've been through, maybe it was years or decades ago, we've been through things very much like this. Pains, losses, hurts. Maybe some we don't even talk about. And I believe that for some of us, long ago we decided it was easier to settle for funeral invitations than for trust in God. Yeah, I know God was calling me to that ministry, but I tried I got criticized. Our times got tough. I got disappointed. So, I'm done with that stuff now. Just going to have a funeral for that. Or I know God called us to have a a better marriage than this. I know that when we stood at the altar, this wasn't this wasn't it. But it's not going to get better. Until she changes. That's not going to happen. So I'm going to settle for a funeral invitation. Or I know God calls me to tithe, to be generous, to support missionaries like Hope and Checkcase. These things can happen, but I'm not good with money. And that's, that's for rich people to do anyway, right? We'll, we'll let them take care of it. Let that'll be for them. I know that God could turn my kid's life around. I used to pray about that stuff. But if you could see my kid, you'd know why I quit praying. Funeral invitations. Stop it. Stop it. If if we believe in a God who raises the dead, and I'm planning to show up for Easter, okay? You know which side of that one I'm on. If you believe in a God that raises the dead, then stop it with the funeral invitations. What would it take for you to trust God at his word? What would it take to pray those prayers again, to trust that maybe, just maybe, God can and will do something about it? It's what Elisha did that day. He sent his servant Gehazi ahead of him. Apparently Gehazi was a little faster than a donkey. And he sent him with a staff, with Elisha's staff, a symbol of his power. Not magical, but a symbol of this. And he instructed him to lay it on top of the boy. Gehazi did this. The boy lay there dead. Elisha arrives, and he, and he goes in to pray, and he prays. He does something interesting. He stretches himself out over the boy there on that bed, much like his predecessor, Elijah, had once done in a very similar event. The boy's body begins to warm up, but he doesn't wake up. And there's this interesting picture of a frustrated prophet. Verse 35, Elisha turned away and walked back and forth. He's pacing in the room. Then he got up on the bed. He stretched himself out once more. The boy sneezed seven times and opened his eyes. Why? I don't know. I haven't been raised from the dead. If you're raised from the dead someday, come and tell me about it, okay? But the boy sneezes seven times. Why? He's alive. He's alive. God raised him from the dead. God br- brings him back. What does Elisha do? He summons his servant Gehazi. He says, uh, call the Shunammite. When she came in, he said, take your son. Then she came in, fell at his feet, and bowed to the ground. She took her son and went out. God raised him from the dead. I I believe this stuff actually happened. (laughs) I don't believe these are like little stories to make us feel better, that maybe God can, you know, make a few more sunny days someday. No, I believe that God can do this, that God did do this. I believe this. You know, sometimes that's exactly how it works out. Many of you have experienced God's miracles before. I've experienced them. I've seen them. I know we serve a God of miracles. Sometimes that's exactly how it works out. Hope and faith, they're, they're synonymous sometimes in, in the Bible. And in Hebrews chapter 11, there's this chapter, we sometimes refer to it as the hall of faith. It's like a listing of all these faithful people in the Old Testament. And you know who's in there? The Shunammite woman. She's in there in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 35. It says, women received back their dead, raised to life again. There she is. There she is. Her story still gets told today because it's an example of what God can do when we have faith. That's the first part of that verse. Let me continue the verse. There were others who were tortured, refusing to be released so that they might gain an even better resurrection. Some faced jeers and flogging, even chains and imprisonment. They were put to death by stoning. They were sawed in two. They were killed by the sword. They went about in sheepskins and goatskins, destitute, persecuted, mistreated. The world was not worthy of them. They wandered in deserts and mountains, living in caves and holes in the ground. <laughs> well, That's a heck of a lot different than getting your kid back from the dead. These are not the favorite verses of prosperity gospel preachers, let me tell you. It doesn't really fit the mold. Sometimes you get the baby when you're barren. Other times, you get sawed in too. And this is described as faith. Wow. Don't miss this. Incredible people of faith trusted God. Sometimes they get exactly what they're praying for. Other times, it's a delay, really. Really? It's a delay. The next verse tells us, verse 39. These were all commended for their faith, yet none of them received exactly what had been promised since God had planned something better for us. I would have thought it was better for them, right? And also better for them. But for us, so that only together with us that they would be made perfect. Now, isn't that interesting? I trust God at his word even when I don't see everything I want to see here on earth. Why? Because these people, these great heroes of the faith, I'm going to trust God as they trusted God. They are my examples. They are our forefathers, our foremothers, the ones who had this incredible faith to sometimes get their baby back and to sometimes get sawed in two. And their faith is made perfect in us. It's like God uses them to help us out. You know, they believed, and I believe, in a God that is much bigger than this world that we live in. This world that God has created, He made it perfect, we messed it up with sin. But this isn't the final answer. <laughs> no, you read the end of the book. You see that God makes the new heaven, the new earth. That that the, the it is restored to the perfection that God wants. And someday, He wipes every tear away from our eyes. Someday, He raises your loved ones from the dead. Someday, there's no more pain. There's no more hurt. There's no more suffering. There's no more evil. There's no more injustice. I believe that. I believe in a God who's got all of eternity to right the wrongs of this world. I trust in that God even when I don't get everything I want. I was talking to someone who has a a connection with some believers, some Christians, In Afghanistan a few weeks ago they were desperately trying to get these Christians out of Afghanistan because we know the the horrors that can happen when the when the evil Taliban take over and this family they they were working with these folks trying to get them out of Afghanistan and they were on the phone with them trying to make arrangements when in the midst of their phone call, the door was kicked in by the Taliban, who shot them all. That's today. This moment. People on the other side of the world, suffering and dying for what I get to stand here and freely talk about. I have it really easy. I do. And I pray and I hope that I would have the same kind of faith that those incredible followers of Jesus have. Those are some true Hebrews 11 Christians right there. And I pray that you and I would have that same life-changing kind of faith, a faith that trusts God at his word even when I don't see it in the way that I want. God, give us faith, faith to trust what you say, that your word is trustworthy, that your love is so great that we can put our lives into your hands. God, I pray for those who need a touch of your strength today to strengthen their faith. Holy Spirit, would you do that? Would you touch them? Would you encourage them? May they leave here differently. God, would you give us the faith? I pray for those who are suffering today, who know what it's like to suffer. God, would you meet them? Would you bring healing and wholeness? And God, if that healing happens in heaven, we will trust you because you've always proven yourself faithful. God, we love you and pray this in Jesus' holy name. Amen.